For your consideration this morning, for just a few moments, I'm going to take you to a text that when I give you the scripture, uh, some of you probably will turn off that part of your brain that listens because you've heard it so many times. But I do want to go with me to the book of Psalms chapter 23. Psalms chapter 23, and I want to read one verse. I will tell you that I never cease to want to bring something new and fresh to you. There's not a week that goes by that I am not praying or reading or studying, trying to find something fresh and new. But there are times when what you need is something old, but something true. This particular passage of Scripture has been handled so often that it's easily mishandled. I thought about it as a type of a rose. If you handle a rose too often, you can cause the leaves to fall and the petals to fall. But it's not a rose. The Lord reminded me it was far more than a rose. It was a diamond. And it doesn't matter how many times you handle it, you're not going to take away from its beauty. And every time you pick it up and turn it, you're going to see something that you've never seen before, a hue or a color. And so it is with this particular Psalm. Psalms 23 and verse 3 read simply this. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. I want you to say that with me. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is known as one of the most beloved of all scriptures. It is quoted in more situations than any other passage of scripture in the Bible. It is used at funerals, at wakes. It is used... At weddings, it is used in the sick room, it is used at home when things are not looking well. The 23rd Psalm is one of those passages that you go back to over and over and over again. How many have received strength from its message through the years? Only God knows. But I am certain today that those of you sitting here in this congregation would have to admit that at some point or other in your life, the 23rd Psalm has meant something special to you. It's amazing how many times you can read it, and every time you read it, there's a different aspect of it that leaps out for your attention. That's because the Word of God is a living Word. It's not a dead letter. It's not a dead law, but it is a living Word. 
Hebrews 4 says that it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart that goes down to the very marrow of the bone. And so it is when we come to the 23rd Psalm, we find a new refreshment. And we never cease to be amazed at how it speaks to us. It reminds me of many things. When I read the 23rd Psalm, I am reminded of the benefits of right fellowship. That when you are in the fellowship of the great shepherd, there are loads of benefits. And that's not a crude use of the word. That is what the psalmist said. He daily loadeth us with benefits. There is something about this particular passage that reminds us that there are great benefits of walking with God and of fellowshipping with the Lord and following Him in His leadership. And it's great to know that He is the one who is watching out for me. And ultimately, it is His responsibility that I make it. Now, that's hard for some of us to grasp, but it was, in fact, the responsibility of the shepherd to make sure that the sheep were protected and that they were taken from pasture to pasture and they were provided with all of the things necessary for them to develop and produce what they were capable of producing. God would not produce that part but he would put them in the situation where their life could produce. What a blessing to live in fellowship with God. What a blessing to say yes to the Lord and to walk with him. And when you read the 23rd Psalm, you cannot help but be reminded of the great benefits of this fellowship. He leads me. He makes me to lie down. He feeds me. He provides. He directs my steps. He goes with me through the valley of the shadow of death. But one thing that is alluded to here in our passage that is perhaps needed more than anything else in life is what is mentioned in verse 3 when the psalmist said, He restoreth my soul. One of the many messages that it brings to my heart is that life is filled with great strain. That life is full of pressures, everyday issues that come our way. Every new day brings its own set of circumstances. And there are certain frustrations and aggravations and annoyances and distractions that come with life. There are disturbances that happen on a daily basis that no matter how you prepare yourself, you are never prepared for their visitation. How many sitting here today are going through a time right now 
that if you could just have somebody sit down and explain it to you, it would help you be able to endure it a little more. Sometimes in life we are not given an explanation. We are just given life to live. But if we live in the knowledge of this passage, I know that we will find what we need to go on. I realize that when I read the 23rd Psalm and I hear the psalmist say that he restores my soul, I realize that there's a reason that he said that. Because the psalmist knew, as I know today, and you as well, that sometimes our faith grows weak. Sometimes because of ongoing problems or unresolved conflicts in our life, our faith can grow weak and weary because of issues in our life that we continually struggle with. We try to hold on to our faith, but life seems to strip it from our grasp. There are times when not only our faith grows weak, but our own resolve becomes weak and weary. We give in to wandering spirits. We give in to allowing our life to merely drift along because we are just weak and tired. We are weary in the journey. There are times in life that not only does our faith grow weak and our resolve grow weak and weary, but our focus becomes blurred. The Lord could not have likened His people to anything more profoundly true than He did in the sheep because it was the nature of a sheep to often lose its direction not purposely, not, on, uh, not intently doing so, but they tell me that many times sheep will wander simply out of the curiosity of their own nature or they get so absorbed in eating the next bite that they do not look up to see where the other sheep are And sometimes they can wander away from the foe. Their focus becomes blurred. How many people here this morning are struggling to just make sense of life right now? And how many are in this place? And if somebody asked you to give you a purpose for living, you would look at them with a blank stare because you really don't know what purpose is right now. When lives become like that, they need what the psalmist promised. And that is one who can restore my soul. One of the greatest needs of my life is for my soul to be restored. That word is so powerful. That word has a world of meaning to it. It literally means to bring back the soul to bring back the soul, to bring it back from what? To bring it back from the brink, from the edge, to bring it back from wandering, from drifting, to bring it back from despair, bring it back from frustrating circumstances, 
to bring it back into the kind of fellowship and communion that it needs to be able to survive, to bring it back from its own weaknesses and wanderings. I want you to listen to the implications of the word restore. I did a quick research of the word and I found these words connected to them. And none of them, none of them betray the true definition of the word to bring something back. One writer said that to restore means to reinstate. Reinstate. That means that somebody has fallen out of grace or somebody has fallen out of rank or somebody has become lost in their way. And the shepherd said that he would restore my soul, that he would reinstate my soul. He would put it back in the right kind of relationship. One writer said that to restore means to reestablish. It simply indicates that life can grow weak at certain points. And there are places in which I am vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And it is necessary to go in and to shore up those areas of my life and reestablish my footing. One of the great things that comes around our country so ever so often are the dread and, and, and hated hurricanes. And they have a way of doing damage that is just almost unimaginable. And it's not just the fierceness of the wind. A tornado's winds are so much more powerful than a hurricane. But what makes that hurricane so devastating is the unrelenting way in which it just keeps pounding, 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 pounding. One wave doesn't do it, but you add another and another and another and another. And the next thing you know, there's a little sand that starts to drift out from under the bulkhead. And as another wave hits, a little more sand gives way and a a little more and a little more until finally... The bulkhead collapses, not from one blow, but from the countless blows of that wind that just never ceases to keep blowing. So it is in life that sometimes wave after wave. Somebody preached here not too many months ago, when it rains, it pours. So that, that's a dangerous message to preach because no, normally what I preach to you I either have to live through beforehand or I'm going to live through after. I don't get by, folks. Some of you think I'm just up here trying to tell you what to do and mess up your life, but I promise you there's nothing that I've ever preached from this pulpit that I haven't had to live myself. And I'm here to tell you that there are times in life when the only breaks you get are bad breaks. And the only news that comes is more bad news. It's bad enough that you get fired. But then the air conditioner breaks down at the house. And then you go to get milk at the store and they reject your card because it's overdrawn. 
When it rains, it pours. And the great purpose of the Lord is to remind us of what He is good at. Not what we are good at, but what He's good at. And He is good at reestablishing those areas of our life that life is just worn away until we feel like we're going to come unravel. One writer said that to restore means to return. To return. That means that it has, it has been away. There's been an absence. And like I mentioned earlier, it was the nature of sheep to wander. Not purposely, but just, it was just in them. But the word of the shepherd is that he would restore. He would return them to the fold. He would leave the ninety and nine and go look for one. That's amazing. Because we're all about numbers. It's all about how much to us, how much money we have in the bank. How many answers we have to life's problems. And when God looks at us, he just looks at one thing at a time. And he sees that one that's not where they need to be. And that one and that one and this one that's struggling. And he goes after that one. Do you know this much that if you were the only lost person in the world, he would have come for you? That's what you need to understand this morning. That he is in the business of returning those who have lost their way. One writer said that restore means to refurbish. My, how I would like to be refurbished this morning. Oh, oh. when I get up in the morning and more things squeak, I would like for a new body. I'm just not quite ready to do what needs to be done to get that new body. But how many of us here this morning could use a good workover? A makeover. You, you ever get to the place in life where you're just so tired, it's so everything's so drab, and you look at things and, and, and there's nothing that inspires you, there's nothing that makes you want to get up and go at it. What you need is the spiritual work that can refurbish. Amen. To refurbish. It means to renovate. Sometimes I need him to do more than just rearrange. That's refurbish. You know, I used to enjoy restoring antiques. And one thing that I learned is that you don't always have to strip it completely down. That all that varnish and veneer that's on there, if you use the right substance, you can make it come loose and remix itself. And you can rub it back into the grain. And you don't have to go down to the bare wood. You just have to know the technique of causing that outer layer that has grown yellow and, 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 and ugly looking to, to get fused again with the other molecules of stain and then you can make it look new and you don't have to take it down to the bare wood. And I'm thankful that there are times that in my life all God has to do is just rearrange a few things. But there's sometimes God just got to do a complete makeover. There's sometimes that he just has to take out the old and put in some new. But that's what he does. He renovates. 
He repairs what is broken. How many broken hearts are there in our world right now? How many broken dreams? How many broken hopes? Perhaps even in this building this morning. Things that years ago, the way you saw life, it was just going to be wonderful. Now here you are in the middle of it, and it's everything but wonderful. And he is able to repair. He is able to rebuild. One writer said it means to recondition. Another said it means to just fix. I'm thankful to know somebody who can fix me. Now, I know you want to fix me. But your fix doesn't work. What I need is his fix. Because he knows all the details. He knows the intricacies. He knows my personality. He knows what will work and what won't work. He knows what will get me from where I am to where I need to be without beating me up and tearing me apart. I'm thankful for somebody who can fix me. And oh, how much I feel a need for a fix this morning. God, I I need you to fix my heart. I need you to fix my mind. Anybody here need God to touch your mind this morning? Anybody here need God to fix your attitude? Oh, don't raise your hand. We don't need that kind of confession yet. Wait till the altar call. Do you ever get tired of looking yourself in the mirror and saying, why in the world did you react like that? Why did you act that way? Why did you say that? How many times we need God to fix what's wrong in us? How we need a God who can wind us back up when we run down. And God knows how to do that. When we get run down, when we are weary, when life grows so heavy that as one writer said, the grasshopper becomes a burden. We become worn down by life and living. Tired, as one writer said, all the way into tomorrow. Some of you look like you could use some Geritol right now. I don't know if I'm boring you or you're just waiting for the end to come. But I'm trying to tell you what God wants to do in this place today. He wants to restore. He wants to rebuild what's broken. He wants to repair what's been torn apart. He wants to kind of refurbish and reestablish the areas of your life in which you have become weak and vulnerable and the enemy could easily come in and do a, a work on your life but he's desiring to come to us right now and do what only he can do and that is restore by the touch of his hand by the work of his spirit I can't explain it I don't know how it all happens I just know that there's something that transpires when I meet with God and I feel his hand on my life and I feel his strength coming into my weak condition. How, how many people need him to wind them back up today? Just like, 
He restores my soul. He turns that knob until those things become fluid again in my life. There are some run-down people here today. And it happens to the best people. The Lord's sent me to give you a simple message. He's here to restore. Wind that back up. Put energy back in your soul. Amen. Life isn't as bad as you think it is. As a matter of fact, I want to tell somebody, life isn't as bad as you're talking right right now. Oh, Brother Hughes, you don't know my... I, I do. I know enough about life to know that life is never as bad as we think it is and it's never as good as we think it is. So am I going to live for God or am I not going to live for God? It doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day. I'm going to live for God. Because He's the only one that knows what to do when I get in this condition of being run down and I don't have any more energy to go and I don't feel like I can take another step. If I can just find myself in His presence, He can wind me back up. How we need a God who can build us back up inside. It's amazing how life can tear you down. It is amazing. I mean, you get pounded on enough, you get beat up enough, you get enough bad breaks. But you know what the worst beating in life is? It is not what life does to me, it's what I do to myself. Because nobody knows me like I do. Nobody knows the mistakes that I've made this week or the things that I said, or the things that I did that I wouldn't want anybody to know about, but God knows and I know. And so when I come into the house of God, I come in trying to do it on my merit. And if I've done good this week, I come bouncing in. And it's so easy to lift my hands and praise God. It's so easy to get into the flow of the service. It's so easy to sing everything that they put up there. But there are times when I've not done so well, when I said things or I did things or I acted in a way that I shouldn't have. And when I come in, I know that. And I'm trying to work my way through all that. And I'm trying to get past that mess that I've made. But I can't seem to get there. But oh, you hear me this morning. I want to come and preach to you again a simple message that there is one who is able to restore. He can build back up what has been torn down in your life. He can build up what you have torn down, what you've let your thoughts tear down in yourself. Sometimes I get so sick of myself that I talk to myself. And I call myself names that I wouldn't want you to call me. But I call myself. And then there are times when God rebukes me and he said, you're talking about my child. You're talking about my son. And I need that. I need somebody to come alongside every once in a while and say, you know what, you're not as bad as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are either, but you're not as bad as you think you are. 
my studies several years ago about sheep, one thing that I discovered that I was not aware of is that if a sheep gets down, it's very difficult for them to get up. That's why the shepherd has a staff. That crook in that staff is to reach down when they fall and help get them back on their feet. But there are times that sheep get on their back for whatever reason. If they fall in a crevice, which happens very often, if they ever get over on their back, they will die without the help of a shepherd. They call it cast. When a sheep is cast, they're on their back. They can't get up. And the only hope that that sheep has is that there's a shepherd that loves it enough that it will not leave it in that condition. The only hope that it has is that in spite of the other sheep that have all done right and they've towed the line and they've not wandered out and they've not gone off on their own, that he would leave those 99 and come after me. And when I'm in a place where I can't get myself up and I can't get on my feet, the promise of God is that I have a way of helping you get back up on your feet. That's what he meant when he said, I will restore the soul. When life gets you down and when you fall and your back is down and you don't have any means of getting yourself back up, the promise of the shepherd is that I will never leave a sheep in that condition. What a powerful message. What love there is that comes to me in times when I am at my worst. God is always at his best. I think we ought to take a moment and just lift our hands and thank him for that. (laughs) Thank you for love, Lord. Oh, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercies, Lord. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. We need a God who will build us back up. We need a God who will build us back up. We need a God who will not leave us in our failures. He will not leave us in our stumblings, but he will work when we're beaten down in life, when we're torn by life's uncertainties. Amen. We need a God who will breathe new life into us. Restore. 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 One one writer said it was the illusion of a fire that had gone down to where it was just smoldering embers. There was hardly any resemblance of fire left. There was just a faint red glow there. The ashes were everywhere. You could tell at one time the fire had been hot. You could tell at one time it had burned high. But now there is no semblance of fire, just a red glow. And this is what the psalmist portrayed. He portrayed one who did not look at it and kick it. Or one who looked at it and said, okay, revive yourself. Come on, you've got it in you. But what he portrayed was one who bends down and he starts fanning that ember. 
knowing that still in that ember is the possibility of fire, knowing that inside that ember is still something that can come back to life. And so he's there, he's fanning it. When I think about this service this morning, I I see a God who comes and bends over my brokenness and he bends over my weakness and my failure. And he's been, come on, you can make it. Come on, it's going to be better. Come on, you can come out of this. Come on, you can get above that. Come on, you can rise out of that. You can be better than that. You can become more than that in your life. (laughs) Come on, praise him. Oh, Oh, I feel that hand. I I feel the breath of God moving in this place right now. Restore, revive, renew my soul, oh God. Hallelujah. You can stand. The psalmist reminds us of one of the things that I need to be reminded of most often. And that is he is my best friend. He is my very best friend. He is not against me. He is not out to get me. He's certainly not out to hurt me. But he wants to help me. He restoreth my soul. He reminds me that he is still the answer to all of my needs. When I'm weak, when I have an area of my life where I'm vulnerable. I don't know why, but I feel a a real urgency to stop for a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost when I say that. There's somebody here this morning that there's an area of your life that you have, just the process of life, you've become vulnerable to an, an attack of the enemy. And the Holy Ghost has sent me here today to tell you he wants to shore up he wants to restore. He, he wants to put those things back in an order where they will be strength to you and not a weakness to you. Restoring my soul. We need someone who cares enough and who loves enough and who wants enough to help us. And we have that in him. In spite of my wanderings, in spite of my disloyalty, and in spite of my ingratitude, He comes. Thank God for love that is not measured by my merits. Not measured by my merits. You know what I love about God? God doesn't have a scorecard that he brings out every time I fall and say, Okay, Mark, that's 299. All right, Mark, I've done this before. Didn't you learn anything the first time? He didn't come. He, he didn't even do what some of us do. We don't say anything. We just. He has no scorecard. And it doesn't matter how many times the sheep falls. Or how many times it wanders. Or how many times it gets in a place where it can't get back up. He has no record book. He has no agenda. He just knows that's mine. And I'm going to do what I can to put it back on its feet.
understand compassion like that? Who can understand that when I am at my weakest, he is at his strongest? And when I am so vulnerable, there is no vulnerability in him. There's no weakness in him. Amen. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for one who restores the soul. I came across a poem that I when I read it, it just, it, it, it spoke so powerfully to me. And the poet said, None of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. Up from the mountain thunder riven and up from the rocky steep there comes a glad cry to the gates of heaven rejoice I have found my sheep rejoice I have found my sheep and the angels echo around the throne rejoice for the Lord brings back his own oh hallelujah And I leave you with this. It was not a question. It was not the wonderings of a mind who was troubled by the day. But it was a statement of fact. It was a statement of confidence. He restoreth my soul. That means when I'm down, when I'm broken, when I'm beaten, when I've messed up, when I've made mistakes, He is there fanning that flame or fanning those embers. He is there leaning over that seemingly lifeless corpse. those lungs begin to pump again. He's there looking into that deep crevice and reaching that rod as far down as he needs to reach to pull it out. He restoreth my soul. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that needs a God like that. Anybody here this morning that just needs a pickup? You just need a lift. If you need that, I, that doesn't mean you're, you're backslid. It doesn't mean anything other than you just want to have contact with the good shepherd. I want to invite all of you to come and meet me here at this altar right now. Would you do that? If you need a touch, if you need a lift.